0: Amen. And good morning. Amen. The last video said that the water that God gives us is the wellspring of eternal life. And for those of you who are online, you can't experience this because you weren't in the building, but we are in just a praise moment. And so I'm going to take about 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 seconds. To let y'all go ahead and let that well spring of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, God. Bless your name, God. Bless your name, God. We praise you, God. We magnify you, God. We lift your name up. You are good. You are kind. You are awesome. You are mighty. You are great. You are beautiful. You've been good to us, God. You've been good to us, God. Hasn't he been good to us? My Lord, my, my, my goodness. Yes. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's okay to stay right there just for a few more moments. Yes. Yes. God is good. My, my. Yes. Hallelujah. There's never been a time that he was not there. Everything you've gone through hasn't been good, but there's never been a time that he was not there. He was there all the time. Always, always. And he has the ability to hold you in the palm of his hand. In the worst of circumstances, he can hold you in the palm of his hand. He used to sing when I was little, said, he got the whole world in his hand. He's got me and you in his hand. So you just got to understand, he's got everything in his hand. So since he got everything in his hands, I can go ahead and lift my hands and say, hallelujah, anyhow. Never, never let life's problems get you down. When life's problems come your way, lift your head to God and say, hallelujah, anyhow. Amen, amen, glory to God. Beautiful. I'll, I'll try to preserve my voice. I don't know if you can tell, but my, my voice, I, I overextended my voice earlier in the week so I'm gonna try to protect my voice a little bit, but I'm so grateful to be here. So grateful for those of us who are online as well as those in the building. Appreciate you. Just- We're gonna get right into uh the Word of God for today, and I, I I have to warn you. I have my bow tie on. I'm not gonna stress my voice, so I'm gonna take my time. I'm uh I'm, I'm gonna be in teach mode, not so much preach mode today, because I I, I want to impact and impart something with it. So some plan to take my time. So just buckle your seat belts on and stay with me and you're going to be blessed as we go through this. So uh, with your Bibles in your hands, would you just repeat after me? This is my Bible. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Simple where we love By living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Dear Father, impart unto me your word. Amen. Amen. Come on, just make some noise. Just saying you believe that God is going to give you something today. So before I have them uh, flash the title up, it's quite interesting the way God leads me when it comes to what I am to minister. Uh, What I am tweeting, posting, and what I'm studying may not be what God has called me to minister on. Very rarely do they intersect. Sometimes they do intersect. And so the last several weeks, We've been talking about how to yet believe God when things are hard and trouble, troublesome. And even Sister Mitchell, when she spoke last Sunday on Count It All Joy, she actually was walking right in that theme. And she testified about all the challenges that she had gone through. And so that, that has been a theme because that's pretty much ever since our apostle passed away, that has been a theme of Deliverance Temple. There's just been a lot of things we've had to kind of persevere through. And so I don't mind preaching similar messages, but God has given it me in a unique and creative way so it doesn't bore you. But at the end of the day, we've just been basically saying we got to get up and keep coming after it. Today's message is not on those planes at all. It actually piggybacks off of something that I posted on Facebook on yesterday that... I didn't think much about, but as I was going, I was actually headed to a funeral and just something just dropped in me and I decided that I was going to post it. And uh, as I was leaving for the funeral, Lady Devin said, "Uh oh, you're going to make some people mad with this post. I said, well, was just kind of it's just one of those things is what I felt like posting. And so I I will just kind of paraphrase it really quick. I I mentioned something about uh, actually I I won't do do that. I'll, I'll bring the title up first and then We'll get into it. So the title for today is Judgmental Christians. Judgmental Christians. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Judgmental Christians. However, it may not go in the direction that you may think it would go. One of the reasons why is because if we're supposed to be a church of love, me teaching you not to be judgmental is a waste of my time. You should know that before you even come in the door. And if you've been saved by grace and you know what God has brought you from, you should be the last person trying to judge somebody else in a negative way. Shouldn't even be an issue. However, it is in a lot of places and a lot of churches and we probably still got some of it in here. I'm not fooling myself. We probably still have some of it here. So the idea of judgmental Christians. But the point that I want to get to is that I think this idea is a little bit overblown. For example, people in the world will say the reason why I don't come to church is there's too many judgy folk in the church. And there's some truth to that. But there's judgy folk in the club. There's judgy folk on your job. There's judgy folk at Kroger. And there's judgy folk at the gas station. And you keep coming back. So why is it the only one you don't want to come back to is the church? And the reason why I say it's a little overblown is because if you have a church of 100 people, people will act like all 100 of them are judgmental. Maybe it's four and 96 are okay. Okay. So let's not blow it too out of proportion and act like everybody is judgmental. So the point that I made is that, yes, churches can be some of the worst offenders when it comes to judging people and looking down on people. And it's it's horrible. We should be the last place, but sometimes we are the worst offenders. But then I made the statement that maybe what people are feeling sometimes is not judgment. Maybe it's just conviction see some people are mixing judgment for discernment and when I preach a message I ain't going back to his church because he talked about me the whole time I don't know you like that so if I talked about you it wasn't me talking about you it was God speaking through me and if it falls in your lap don't get mad at me you better look at God so we we, we have to kind of unpack this so to make sure that we are moving in the direction God wants us to go. So the first thing we have to do, we have to look at scripture and we've got a lot of scripture today, but I need to break it down in a way that I think would help us be the best versions of Christians that we need to be. Let, let me pause and say problem with a lot of churches is people are Christians, but they don't care about being the best version of Christians. They just want to tell everybody, I'm saved and all y'all going to hell. Well, that's not the best version of Christian. The best version of Christian is a person who allows themselves to be discipled or a disciplined one. In other words, who you were when you got saved 20 years ago shouldn't be who you are today. There should be some growth. So we want to be the best versions of Christian. And actually, the word Christian simply means pertaining to Christ and so we all have more room to grow as it relates to pertaining to Christ because as much as I love y'all I'm not ready to die for none of y'all Amen. I'm ready to die for my family some of them no i just I'm just playing my my immediate family I'll go to bat for them but that, that, some of them extended folk I don't know about I'm not Christ so I got some room to grow and we've all got room to grow And so, here's one of the reasons why there's a mix-up. So, let's put this first slide up. And it simply says, judge not. So, people will tell you, the Bible says, don't judge. Or the Bible says, you can't judge. And it's true, the Bible says, judge not. The problem is, people only take portions of Scripture. And you have to look at Scripture in its entire context. So we're not just going to look at this and say, judge not. We're going to go to it and we're going to see the entire context. So let's do that. Let's look at Matthew 7, 1 through 5. And it's going to come from the English Standard Version. And let's have Mother Mitchell read. Judge
1: not that you be not judged.
0: All right. It says judge not. But then it says why. Let's go back to that first uh, one. Judge not. Judge not. Why that ye be not judged? Okay, so it doesn't say judge not, it says just don't judge so you don't get judged. All right, and so let's that didn't give me enough information. Let's go even further. Let's look at verse two.
1: For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you.
0: So basically, it's saying. Don't be so quick to judge. It's not that you can't judge, but don't be so quick to judge because however you judge with the same measure you judge is coming back to you in that same measure. Now, the Bible says if you are a teacher of the word of God, that your judgment is actually even heavier. So you got to walk careful when you judge because it's going to come back in that same way or it's going to come back heavier. So that's why I'm careful how I judge. It's not that I can't judge. I'm careful how I judge because I got some stuff still in my closet. And so if I don't want you exposing me, I try not to expose you. Maybe we can work together to all grow together, but I'm careful how I judge, not that I can't judge, but I'm just careful how I judge because it'll come back on me. So... For those of you who know me well, well, not just as pastor, but well, well, and have relationship with me, they'll, the, people will say that when a pastor falls, whether they fall on TV or publicly, the Internet, or they fall in the city, I have very little to say. Why? Because I'm a pastor myself. And I know how hard it is to do what we do. Now, I may think what they did is wrong, but you won't get me to make a public statement unless I just have to. Because I know that there could be a day I would fall. And I'm thinking about that day while I'm not falling. The problem is when people do a lot of judging, they haven't slipped yet. But when you have slipped, you want the judgment to be a little bit different. good friend of mine, his brother-in-law committed adultery. And his brother-in-law came to him and confessed it, and he laid his brother-in-law out, told him, up one down and down the next. And rightfully so in, in some ways, because there is a certain standard that we should be living by. And they had a relationship, and so he got on him. But my friend told me this, he said, but in my mind, I was like, how could you? You so wrong. You, you call yourself saved. And six months later, he had done the same thing. Messed up his marriage. So you got to be very careful. The Bible says when a brother is overtaken in a fault, ye who are a spiritual, you ought to restore. And it says considering yourself. I don't care how saved you are, as long as you live in this fleshly body, you will be tempted to do things that are outside of your character. And this is not scripture, but somebody say pressure, bust pipes. And it's, it's, it's hard to judge people when you haven't been under the pressure that they're in. Look at him smoking all that dope. But you don't know the pressure he's under that forced him to go to the dope. So it's not that you can't judge. It's just knowing how you judge is coming back to you. All right, let's 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 uh, continue. Actually, before we continue to read, it's really a simple principle. The Bible makes it very plain. How you want to be treated is the way you should treat others. You reap what you sow. Basic Christian principles. So however you want people to handle you, if you fall, that's how you handle people when they fall. But it doesn't mean you turn a blind eye to stuff because, oh, I'm not supposed to judge. If you molesting Christ- uh, uh, kids, I'm saying something. And actually, by law, you are required, if you know about it, to say something. Well, I didn't say something because I didn't want to judge others. No, no. No, you, you, you're missing it. There is something called righteous judgment. If you belong to my church and you're a male and you've beaten your wife, I'm saying something Me too. to your face. Yes. Because there's a standard that should be lived by. Amen. A particular thing happened. It was a young lady that was coming to our church. And she was in the hospital and I was praying for her. And when she got out the hospital, she told me privately the reason why I was in the hospital was my man beat me and put me there and I would like for you to counsel us and so I came and I said yes I'm on a counsel and I brought my gun with me because he might stop beating her and want to beat on me but one thing I'm not going to do is watch one of my uh, sisters going through hell and not stand up and try to do something now now I could have I could have gathered a bunch of deacons and we all been there. And that way, if something popped off, but the Lord told me not to do that. But just go confront him, be stern. But it was so interesting. Once I seen him look in his eyes, I saw a broken man. And the reason why he was beating on her because he was a broken man. And I tried to connect with him and said, you need a place like this where people won't judge you. I was like, what you did is wrong, but I won't judge you moving forward. What I need you to do is keep your hands off her, number one. I need you to keep your hands off of her. Number two, but if you want me to walk with you, I'll walk with you because I can tell you're hurting. The, The man broke down and he cried. I hugged him, hugged the woman, prayed for them. She came back to church, he didn't. About four years later, he was found dead in a ditch where he was shot and killed to death because he didn't make the subtle change that was there. But as a leader, I was supposed to confront him, but I was also supposed to love him. Sometimes we think love means that we're scared. No, love is not scared. Love stands up and love confronts and love will judge when necessary. And so, when I found out about his passing, I was I was hurt because I knew he was a man that could have been delivered. He just didn't make the necessary steps. So we, we we don't shy away from confrontation. We step up to it. Let's let's continue. Let's look at verse four.
1: How can you say to your brother, "Let me take the speck out of your eye," when all the time There is a plank in your own eye. Let's read
0: verse 5.
1: You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye.
0: God didn't say you can't judge, but he don't want you judging with hypocrisy. He don't want you nitpicking at their little stuff, and you know privately you got a whole bunch of stuff. And the reason why some people do that, because if I nitpick at you, I put the light on you, and I can slip and do my own thing. And God says, no, that ain't the kind of judge I want. I want you, if you have a log in your eye, deal with that first before you go picking with the speck in someone else's eye. Yeah. Ooh, that girl came with, she came and her ankles was showing in church. You mean that's all was that showing was ankles? But when you go home, you do all kinds of stuff. So how is it that you are going to pick on her and you know what's going on in you? So what God was worried about was hypocrisy. But here's the truth. Listen to this. He said, first take the log out of your own eye but then it says, it doesn't say leave the other person's speck alone. It says then you'll see clearly so you can remove the speck from them. So God still wants you to help others grow but first work on you first, then you'll be able to help somebody else. So it's love without hypocrisy. Let's, let's go to uh, another uh, passage, to Revelations 2, uh, 1, actually, 2, 18 to 21. Yes, let's start at verse 18.
1: And to the angel of the church of Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Verse 19. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. If
0: you know anything about scripture, this is the seven churches of Asia. This is what revelation uh, that John saw and Jesus was talking about these churches. And for each church, he had basically his own critique of the church. For this church, he says, I know your works, I know your love, your faith, your service. I know your patience and endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. In other words, this church was doing very, very well and God was commending them through Jesus. But let's look at the next verse, verse 20.
1: But I have this against you that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols.
0: You're doing very, very well, but you're tolerating something you shouldn't be tolerating. You're doing a lot of good things. Well, Let, let me put it in this vernacular. Deliverance simple. You got a lot of good things going on for you, but there's some stuff that you tolerate that you shouldn't tolerate. Yeah. There, there are certain standards that should be set, and even though we are a grace church, and a loving church, and a compassionate church, there are certain things that should not be tolerated. And the problem with the new age church, we're not as legalistic as the old church, but sometimes we have an anything goes mentality. Why? Because God loves me. Yes, God loves you. And yes, God appreciates you, but some of y'all are foul. I'm not necessarily saying you or people in here or you watching online. I'm saying sometimes Christians get in foul, repetitive, damaging behavior, but because they're under grace, they don't want nobody to say nothing to them. They want everybody to tolerate their stuff, but some stuff you just can't tolerate. Well, I cussed them out in the name of Jesus. Well, how how does that work? (laughs) Explain that to what scripture did you get that from? Well, I'm saved. Yeah, you saved, but there's some stuff in your behavior yeah. that we can't tolerate if you're going to be pertaining to Christ. Yeah. Well, I left their churches. They was all in my business. No, that is called conviction. There's some stuff that you can't tolerate. Let's put up a definition of tolerate just in case you need to understand what it means. Allow the existence, occurrence, or practice of without interference. Be capable of continued subjection to without adverse reaction. In other words, the people around me can do whatever and it doesn't bother me at all. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about people who go to the same church as me. Can, can you put the camera on me because I, 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 I want them to just, it's just some simple stuff. Now, this didn't happen to a church member, but it was some, somebody I work with, and we were going to uh, lunch. We were on our lunch break, going to lunch, and I, like I said, I'm taking my time, but we were going to lunch. I went to Burger King with this individual. Now, we're working at General Motors, so we're not broke. We make decent money. We go to Burger King. He orders a water. But then when he goes over to the fountain, he fills it up with Sprite. And the manager said, you, you got water. Man, stop bothering me. But no, you, you did. You, but you did do that, though. You, you asked for free water, and you filled it up with Sprite, and you're mad because you got caught. If you bold enough to do it, you ought to be bold enough to get caught. Amen. That's a simple thing. It's a small thing. And he wasn't a, he wasn't a Christian. But how many times have you been out to eat with Christians that did some shady stuff? Some stuff that that just wasn't all together right. And maybe you're not trying to be judgy, but there's some things that shouldn't be tolerated. Amen. If you say you believe what we believe, that you ought to have some character, integrity about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. look at her with her dress. Now, you may not have said anything, but if you keep letting them talk, guess what? You're guilty by association. So, if you're not going to stand up and confront, you're guilty by association. So, God says there's some stuff that you're tolerating that I don't want you to tolerate. Now, I'm throwing out menial, minor examples because what we're getting ready to get into is a little bit heavier. And so we're going to deal with some heavier stuff. So I'm throwing I'm out some light stuff just to kind of, uh, uh, yeah, till the ground. There you go. Just just kind of, I'm walking softly because we got to get a little, little heavier. But even in this context, the context of Jezebel, which people use it as, as a person who just wears a lot of makeup, which is not really uh, the full context, but in the context of Revelation, he says that they were teaching sexual immorality. In other words, they were teaching it from the pulpit, so to speak. She was a leader and she was teaching, oh, just do what you want to do. Now, what I say is God will deliver you from whatever you're doing, but I don't want you to mix it up to say that Andre said, do whatever you want to do. Uh It's your thing. Ow, do what you want to do. Not if you ain't God. It don't work like that in God. He didn't save us for us to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. We are bought with a price. Now, we all fall. We all stumble. We have all been in the flesh. But the difference is I'm not going to preach that it's okay. Just because you did it doesn't mean it's okay. Just because I don't get up here and talk about everybody who's shacking up and all that doesn't mean it's okay. We don't have time to get up and talk about that all the time, but there are certain things that are going on in your life that you know doesn't make you feel right, and so guess what? You need to make some adjustments, Amen. and hopefully you have people in your life that will help you make the adjustment. All right, let's 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 continue to go. Somebody say, go deeper, Pastor. Go deeper. All right, let's look at Revelations 2.21. Here's the
1: major problem. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. God, Jesus didn't say, I, I, I'm
0: tired of her. I'm sending her straight to hell. He said, I gave her space and time to repent, but she refused. What we're dealing with is people who have a unrepentant attitude yeah. about the junk that they do. And will not, when they have an opportunity, they will not change. And what you have to understand, God is so gracious and loving, he gives you a long time to make some changes and adjustments. But if you refuse, God says it can't be tolerated. Even in your own life, you don't want to deal with somebody who keeps repeating the same behavior against you, and you've given them a chance, you've forgiven them, and they just keep doing it. You don't want them in your life. Why do you think God wants folk in his life that just won't change? After being given chance, after chance, after chance. Now, of course, I ain't preaching to none of y'all because y'all just saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm just throwing y'all this message just in case so y'all can have it in y'all repertoire. But there's some stuff that shouldn't be tolerated. One of the best things that's happened to the church in this age is also one of the worst things that's happened to the church in this age live stream because we can reach so many people. But after you see what some people put on live stream, you realize some folks just up talking. They're not, they ain't got no anointing. They don't have no power. There's some churches that should be closed down and shut down because don't know, nobody need to be under that. And God has given some of them space to repent and change. I didn't mean to get on this because this is just uh, an opinion, so I'm just going to throw this out there. But there was recently a man who got robbed on live stream, a preacher who got robbed. But the more you look at it, it looked really scammy. It's something real funny about the robbery. Maybe he got robbed for real, but it's just something real shady about it. And unfortunately, see, I grew up around saved, saved preachers. I'm talking about showing up saved preachers. And so when I got to preaching and I started going on the road, I bumped into some preachers that wasn't saved. They could preach, but they wasn't really saved. They was good speakers. They was powerful. And even I was mesmerized. Man, they're powerful. I wish I could talk like them. But when we went out to eat afterwards, oh, wow. The stuff they talked about, the way they acted, the, the thing I'm saying, like, oh, wait wait a second. Everything ain't what it seems. And there's a lot of churches that are so fake and so phony. And what God is saying, I'm tired of people sitting in those places and tolerating it. Here's a problem also, though. A lot of people say, man, that pastor, he wrong for just getting up there being fake and phony. That's true. But things won't change until the audience stops tolerating it. If the audience keeps sitting under mess, the mess will keep going. But the problem, the reason why the audience keeps sitting under mess because the audience won't read the Bible for themselves so they don't know when it's mess or when it's not. That's how a man like Jim Jones can start off very well and later on be talking about I can sleep with anybody's wife and God's okay with it. How did y'all get that? but well, somebody's not studying the word. So the, so the onus, when, when Jesus talked and he rebuked the church, he didn't just rebuke the leaders. He rebuked the whole church. He said all of y'all are tolerating what you shouldn't tolerate. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's let's go a little deeper. Let's let's put this up. It's something that that is said that people will say, let's put this point up for us. Only God can judge me. I'll put a question mark behind that phrase because my question is that accurate. First of all, people will say the Bible says only God can judge me. The truth of the matter, that's a Tupac song. That's not scripture. <laughs> so because people don't know scripture, they quote stuff to you in the streets and they're like, only God can judge me. Yeah, you're right, sweetheart. No, No, you're not right, sweetheart. That's not what the Bible says. That you're right according to the law of Tupac, but according to the law of scripture, it doesn't say only God can judge me. That's not scripture. Now, only God can have the final judgment, but only God can judge me is not a total accurate s- statement. But it's not totally incorrect either. So let's study it to figure out what the scripture actually says. Here, here's the thing. I can get up and talk to you, but I'd much rather us look at Scripture. Because the goal to get you to grow is not to hear my words, but to hear the words of God. Amen. All right, so let's look at 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 3 in the English Standard Version. I'm going to let you just uh, read it. Well, actually, before you read it, I'll, I'll give us the context. The context Paul was talking about, there were Christian brothers and sisters who were taking each other to court. And so when Paul found out about it, he makes this statement. Let's look at one Corinthians six one.
1: When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Paul was—he uh, was
0: irritated about what was going on because he was like, "We should be the light for the world." But when we have issues, we claim we love each other like Jesus loves, but then we run to the court and do what everybody else does. I need y'all to pay attention in the back. So we run to the court and do what everybody else does. Now, we're not talking about small things. We're not talking about when somebody stabs someone. Yes, you need to go to the court. But what they were doing, they were fighting over really minuscule things and taking it to a judge. And Paul was like, if y'all are supposed to be brother and sister, y'all should be able to rectify now, look, but look at what he goes on f-
1: even deeper. 1 Corinthians 6, 2. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? The saints will do what? Judge the world. No, wait a second. Only
0: God can judge.
1: The saints will judge the world. Okay, and read. And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent? To try trivial cases.
0: In other words, what they were saying is instead of going to an outside judge, all you need to do is have a third party there, and that person should be able to hear both sides and rectify the issue. But he makes a larger statement. Don't you understand that the saints will judge the world? Not God, but the saints. Huh. I thought we ain't supposed to be judging. But the saints will judge the world. But here's the the thing. He told us however we judge is the same way that judgment's coming back. So yes, we can judge, but we have to be careful how we judge. But if we don't judge, the problem is the world will make up their own rules and they'll be lost. And the problem is the society should be looking at the church But the church is so jacked up, the society don't want to look at us to inform their decisions. But this has been going on for the beginning of time. So let's go to verse 3,
1: 1 Corinthians 6, 3. Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more, then, matters pertaining to this life?
0: This is a deep statement that Paul makes. And I don't have time to get into it, but we don't talk to angels. So this has to mean in the eternal realms or in the afterlife, we have the ability to judge. Hold on a second. Guys in the back, please pay attention because I don't feel like raising my voice. So where, where was I at? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more matters pertaining to this life? So we are at some point going to be judging angels. I don't have time to dig in all the theology of it. And the truth of the matter, I don't know all the theology of us judging angels. But if we can judge angels and we can judge the world, then it's a possibility that we can judge each other as well. Mm. So, so, so only God can judge me is not correct, but it's not all the way incorrect. So what it is, it's incomplete. So let's can, let's keep going. Let's look at, uh, these points that I have make up point one, a here's the thing. Here's the, the answer to the question. Christians are allowed to and are ex- are even expected to judge other Christians. I'll deal with that later, but judge other Christians. In the context, Paul was talking about us judging each other. Christians are allowed to and are expected to judge other Christians. Let's Put up point one B. So this is, this answers the question. Then we got to dig a little deeper. However, there are guidelines, number one, certain instances, number two, and certain expectations for Christian judgment. So yes, you can be a judgmental Christian, not in the negative sense. But we can judge each other in a way that helps us. And, and he, here's a, a really simple verse that we all heard. Iron sharpens iron. So yeah, yes, we can we, we can judge each other. Let, 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 me, let me see if I can get really basic. Many of us, especially, I'll, I'll try to make it in black terms. Many of us have heard the terminology how the black dollar leaves the economy too soon. So there is a focus on making sure you support small black businesses. But the problem is sometimes you try to support a small black business and their prices are too high and their product is not good. And you are expected to keep supporting. Now, if you don't know them, you probably won't have a conversation with them because you don't really know them. You just decide, I'm not bringing my dollars back you you charge me a $25 fish dinner and I got two fish nuggets and two sides that look like they came out of a can. I, I I can't pay 25 no more. So maybe you withdraw your dollars, but what if she went to the same church as you? What if he went to the same church as you? Normally what we do, we would tell everybody but them. Don't you buy no fish from her. Don't you buy Joyce's fish. Joy's crazy. She's selling $25 fish. All I got was two nuggets and one of the nuggets was burnt. <laughs> and that's funny, but the truth of the matter, it's much harder to tell the conversation to the person. Because maybe they do have a business in them, but iron sharpens iron and somebody needs to judge them and tell them, but guess what? It's easier to talk about them Than it is to tell them. And we all know it's it's, you you ever met somebody that's so sweet and so kind, but their breath stink. It's much easier to tell everybody else they breath stink than tell them. But if you are in real relationship with people, see one thing about it family, real family. Man, did you brush your teeth today? The other day we were sitting at Greek's pizza and I was eating, we all had our personal pizzas and I had mine with extra garlic sauce and I said something and everybody at the table looked at me like do not say anything with an H, don't breathe, you smell awful, but we're family, we can talk like that, but God says as Christians we're supposed to be family. And we're supposed to be able to judge each other. And one of the problems with judging each other is some people are so offended they can't take the truth. But it's up to you to at least try. Now, of course, I said I'm talking about light, funny matters because we got to get a little, we got to get a little deeper. So, in order to do that, we're going to go to this guidelines for Christian judging. So we can judge. But there's some guidelines for. But let's look at first Corinthians chapter five. We'll start off with verses one through three, and then we're going to go even further. Now, this is the deeper stuff. This is what Paul was pointing out. and Some people have have read Corinthians and totally skipped over this portion of scripture. But I want you to think about Paul. Paul was the one who helped set up the church of Corinth, set up all these churches that he wrote to later, and he was writing back to the church once he found out how things were going on, and it was Paul's job to bring oversight to the church. It was his job to judge. Now, he was in a leadership position. The problem with this new age, they don't even want the pastor to say nothing. They don't want you to say nothing, and they don't want the pastor to say, they don't want nobody To tell them nothing about nothing, but that is not wise, nor is it scriptural, nor does it help the body of Christ. But let's look at 1 Corinthians 5 and 1. Would you read that?
1: It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife.
0: There's that word tolerate again. Now, now what people talk, people have been beat up about sex in the church, uh, just whether they're homosexual, heterosexual, there's been a lot of bullying from the pulpit. So I'm not, I'm not really going to deal. When we say sexual immorality, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm going to stay within the context of what Paul was talking about. Paul said, y'all doing stuff that even the pagans don't do. Y'all in church doing stuff that will put everybody on Jerry Springer. He said, there is a man sleeping with his father's wife. If you study it out, he had taken his stepmother and is having a relationship with his stepmother. And, and him and the stepmother, and I, I, I don't know if the father was still there. They come into church like ain't nothing happened. And Paul says, it is reported. Paul wasn't there, but the report got back to Paul. So nobody said anything to the couple Or to the man, but the report was out there. Everybody knew what was going on, but they were still talking about, thank you, Lord, for, now stop all that, thank you, Lord. Something is going on wrong in the house. It needs to be dealt with. But it was allowed to go on. Now, normally back then, when they would talk about the church of Corinth, they would talk about several churches. They had house churches. So in other words, it would mean the church of Muncie. That means all the churches are considered the church of Muncie. So it was spread around the church, what was going on, but nobody had done anything about it. Let's, let's, let's look at this again. Let's put this uh, definition up, because he said, y'all tolerating it. Y'all have allowed the existence of this crazy incest, the encourage or the practice of without interference. Ain't nobody stopped it. Be capable of con- continued subjection to without adverse reaction. Oh, that's sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so. No, no, no. You mean it don't bother you? It doesn't affect you? that this is going on in the church and nobody has said anything about it. Nobody has said anything about it. Y'all testing my patience today. Draylon. My goodness. Nobody has said anything about it. Not, not, not. This is a, a good teaching moment. That's my son. I'm going to get on him because I want him to be better or whoever's back there. But I don't get on the other ones as much as I get on my sons because I have relationship with them. And I demand excellence out of them because where they're headed, I want excellence out of them. Now, for, for the live audience, y'all got to hear me getting on them. But when I do the broadcast, I edit all that out. Don't nobody hear me getting on them. But when we go home, I get on them. Because I'm expecting excellence. Why? Because it's a righteous judgment. And also, I'm paying them. It's not like they're doing it for free. So since I'm giving them money, there's certain things that I expect. Well, since God paid the price for your life, there's certain things he can't tolerate. Thank y'all for the teaching moment. Appreciate it. Sarcastically so. First Corinthians 5-2. Here, here's the worst part about it. read.
1: And you are inflated with pride. Instead of filled with grief so that he has committed this act. So who has committed this act might be removed from your congregation.
0: He said the problem is, the greater problem is, y'all inflated with pride about it. And here's the thing about the Corinthian church. There was a church that was heavy in the gifts. That's where Paul talks about the speaking of the tongues. He talks about the gifts to the Corinthian church. They, they were what you would call a charismatic church. And they were proud because miracles were still happening. And they were proud because folk were still speaking in tongues. And, and prophecies were still going forth. For. And Paul said, y'all inflated with pride, but you should be. Filled with grief, yeah, amen. it ought to grieve you when certain things happen, yeah. especially in the church. Yeah. All right, let's let's look at verse three.
1: For though I am absent in body, but present in spirit, I have already decided about the one who has done this thing, as though I were present.
0: Now, Paul immediately just here. Remember this: Paul is somewhere else. He gets a report, and Paul passed judgment on the person. He said, "I'm not even there. I'm absent from you, but I'm present in spirit, and I didn't already pass judgment on him." Well, how are you going to do that, Paul? I got got a perfect example, a, a fun, funny example. See, when when you know people for real, there's some th- things that you hear. No, they did that because I know them. That no, no, this is not a lie. This is not a rumor. They did that. Because I know that. For, for example, my mother taught me how to play Scrabble. We love to play Scrabble. But if you call me and tell me that my mama's somewhere playing Scrabble and talking smack while she's playing Scrabble, oh yeah, that's her. That's, that's me. That's me. That's Joyce. I, I, that ain't a lady. That's Joyce. I know her. Amen. I know how she... I, I don't even have to be there to know... That's what she did, cause I've been in relationship with her long enough to know. And here's the thing: there's some stuff that you hear, you hope is not true, but you know it's true, cause I know them. And so it's okay to pass judgment because you really know them. And like you said, righteous judgment. So so let's let's get a a. This is the guidelines. Let's go with guideline A. Christian judging should be based in relationship. The problem is we like to judge folk we're not in relationship with. You, you, you in the park and you see some girl scantily clad and leave her alone. Because the park is public. It's not your park. Now if she's your granddaughter or your daughter... You have relationship or your friend, maybe you could say something, but it, it works best when it's done within relationship. relationship. Now, in the old days that we grew up in, no matter who your parent was, anybody could get on you. Yeah. You, you could get whooped in the, in the neighborhood and get whooped again because you got whooped in the neighborhood. That's how we grew up, and some of y'all still had that mindset, but don't try that with this new generation. Don't mess with these new folk. They wasn't raised like you was raised. The best thing you do is pray and go on about your business. Because their babies have raised babies, and the babies are raising another set of babies. And so, yes, we need to have influence. Now, if you have influence, it's a different story. But the problem is some Christians have no influence, no relationship, and they jump to judging. Paul had set up this church. Paul was writing letters to the church. Paul was in communication with the church. Paul knew the people of the church. So for him to pass judgment, it was a righteous judgment. So the guidelines, it must be based in relationship. Let's look at verse 4. Read that.
1: When you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, with my spirit and with the power of our Lord Jesus.
0: He says, because of my oversight over you and my relationship with you, when you are assembled, my spirit is with you. I told a comical story about my mother, but let me tell another story about my mother. There are times, without getting into detail, that I would go places and do things, and come home, and my mama called out what I did, and she wasn't there. But because of the authority she had in my life, her spirit, and she was guessing, and thought she was guessing, but she was spot on. I don't know who you was with, I don't know what she was doing, but something there wasn't right. How does mama know? Because her spirit went with me, because I belong to her, she had oversight over me. And there are certain people, the Bible says, obey them that have the rule over you because they watch for your souls." And there are some people that, yes, you're not their father, you're not their mother, but because of the relationship you have, you mentor them. There are certain things that they can do and you can tell something's off, something's wrong, and you have a right to say something. If your spirit is irritated by somebody, a brother or a sister, you got to ask them, what you have been doing? Where you been? How you, h- how you been? How you been living? Not because you're trying to send them to hell, but because you're trying to grow them up because something in your spirit feels off. Yeah. And because of us, because we've dealt with a lot of substance abusers, Many times when people are slipping back and relapsing, and that's part of the substance abuse work, people will relapse. But many times when people are in the relapse mode, if you are really deep in the spirit, you can always know. They get to talking real fast. They don't want to look you in the eye. Hi, pastor. Hi, pastor. No, you're going to do something. Because it used to be you stop and talk to me, but now you're moving too quick. Something's off. I'm not judging you thinking that you're no good, but I'm making a righteous judgment that something is off. I feel something wrong. So you pray. You do what you need to do. Paul was laying down the law. Let's look at verse 5.
1: Turn that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved. In the day of the Lord. Now
0: wait, wait a second. Now we know what kind of sin he was in. We know, and, and this is this is something that I didn't add to it. Is that when Paul mentions it, he doesn't say turn him and the woman over. It says turn him. So it also seems to suggest. Well, we don't know for sure, but it seems to suggest that this man did it by force. That. The stepmother may not have, it may have not have been consensual, but he was taking advantage of and then coming back to church like nothing's going on. And Paul said, turn this brother over to Satan. We read it earlier. I didn't mention it. He actually said, kick him out to church. Excommunicate him, expel him, kick him out. But then he makes a statement, turn him over to Satan. But then he says... For the destruction of the flesh. Put the verse back up. For the destruction of the flesh. And then it says, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So Paul judged him. But Paul didn't say, I want him to go to hell. Uh Paul says, kick him out. And what I want to happen, I want Satan to get on his case. Because this is what real Christians know. When people are acting up and cutting up, all you got to do, let Satan get at them. See, Satan is influenced them to do the wrong, but once they do the wrong, Satan will turn around and beat them up for the wrong that he told them to do. And so basically what Paul is saying, no, let him go. Let, don't, don't fellowship with him. Don't mess with him. Let him go. But what's going to happen, we want him to run into the brick wall. And as he keeps running into that brick wall, we wanted to wear him down and destroy his flesh so that his spirit can respond to God. Because he's in a mode that is a reprobate mode. He's messing up, but we don't want to lose him because we love him. So we're letting him go so that Satan can get on his trail and then he can come back. Some people suggest, some Jewish scholars suggest that the story of the prodigal son, the father should have never gave him the money because wow. it wasn't time for him to get the money, but he demanded the money. But the father gave him the money because what the father knew is if he gets out there long enough yeah. and far enough, he just might come to himself and realize how wrong he's been and make a turn and return back to God. Or return back to the father. And the Bible says the father every day would go looking for him because he know if I let him go, he will probably run into a place where he got to come back. Let me stop and say, I know some of y'all mothers, y'all love your children, but you need to do this for some of your adult kids. You got to let them off of your hook so God can put them on his hook. Stop babysitting. I know you love the grandbabies but stop babysitting. He done made 12 babies already and he gonna make more if you keep watching him. Tell him no. Tell him no. You raise your babies. I ain't buying another gift. Sometimes it's tough love that brings people to see real love. And Paul said y'all being too weak on this situation. Kick him out but we still want him in the day of the Lord. We still want him to be saved. Let's, let's look at B. This, this is another guideline. Christian judging should, and I got to capitalize, should always have the goal of restoration. If you're judging people just to talk, that is not Christian judgment. But if you're judging people for the goal of restoration, God is okay with that. Because the Bible says you restore considering yourself. Let's, let's continue, continue to read. And, and b- before we uh, actually read that, you can keep the verse up. 2 Corinthians, there's a story in 2 Corinthians that some scholars believe is about this man and some don't believe it's about this man, but it shows restoration. Whoever the man was, he got restored. If it was this man, then what they did worked because he was able to be restored if you look at 2 Corinthians. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 5, 6. Three. Your boasting
1: is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast permeates the whole batch of dough
0: Paul said your boasting is not good because remember they were boasting about it like oh look, God is still blessing us yeah I know we got some junk in our church but God is still good and God is still blessing us and God said y- y- you, Paul said y'all y- boasting too much but I want you to understand a principle that they knew because they understood the feast of unleavened bread but he says a little leaven leavens the whole lump a little yeast Goes through the whole batch of dough. Let's look at the next verse, verse seven. Actually, I think I put it up there twice. So let's go, let's go to C. Christian judging should have the goal of protecting the whole. See, if it was just me and you, no, I, I'm not gonna kick you out of churches. We don't. It's only us. So I'm going to try to do life with you and help restore you if you want it. But if there's more than just one, I have to be careful that your deeds don't infect everybody else. So I may have to put you out for the sake of the whole. Do I love you? Yes. But I can't sacrifice the whole because of you. Well, somebody will say, well, pastor, the Bible says that the shepherd would leave the 99 and go after the one. But here's the thing. The one was lost. In other words, he didn't know he was lost. He was tricked into being lost. And there's times that the devil will trick you, tip you, and trick you. That's one thing. When you're caught in something, that's one thing. But when you wander off on your own and you have space to repent and choose not to, and you want to do what you want to do in the church, I have to be willing to let you go to preserve the whole. So we have to remember that. So we're really talking about, we're not just talking about menial sins, we're talking about rebellious, stubborn, unrepentant, unregenerated sinning. I'm not saying that that's going on right now in Deliverance Temple, but God told me to teach it for a reason. I don't know what the reason is, but let's just, it's tight, but it's right. Let's go to D, and this is where we'll close from. Christian judgment was designed to be mainly internal, not external. Here's the thing, When, when, when it said only God can judge me, I said that is not correct, but it's not all the way incorrect, it's incomplete. So look at what Paul goes on to say in from the same passage. Remember, he's still talking about this craziness that was going on in the church. Let's go look at 1 Corinthians 5 9.
1: I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. So he's talking about previously, i had already wrote to you and told
0: you don't associate with sexually immoral people. Now, once again, I don't think it's just talking about. The regular casual sexual relationship outside of marriage, even though we don't believe as Christians, we don't believe that's the best. We believe the highest form of sexual practice is within the covenant of marriage. But I don't even believe it's talking about the casual. It's talking about just the wildness, the craziness that people are doing and still calling themselves saved. So let's let's go further. Verse 10.
1: Not at all meaning. Read those three words again. Not at all. Say it one more time. Not at all. Okay, I got you. Meaning the people of the world of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case you would have to leave this world. Well, wait a second.
0: So he said I'm not really talking about folk in the world. And a lot of churches and a lot of pastors, all they talk about is them folk in the world. They go into hell and stay from them. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Don't you go to the ball game and don't you go to the club and don't you. And maybe you shouldn't go to some of these places. But Paul said, I'm not talking about the folk in the world. Because you'd have to get rid of, you had to go get rid of everybody. You can't go to work. You can't go to the restaurant. You can't go to the gas station. He said, I'm not talking about the people who are caught up in the world because here's the connotation, they don't know any better. They're doing things because they're caught up and they don't know the way out. So the the idea of you judging the prostitute in the street, it doesn't make sense because many of them, they wouldn't be prostituting if they knew another way. Uh They don't know another way. Uh But what God is saying, I don't want you dealing with somebody who's doing it in the church because they should... No better. Let's continue to read. Verse 11.
1: But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people.
0: Uh oh. But well, Jesus ate with sinners. But he was trying to save them. He's talking about the folk who say they're saved already, but they have such a horrible witness by the way they act. He said it it, it doesn't do you any good to be hanging out with them. Because uh, evil communications corrupt good manners. That's the way the King James says it. Basically, if I take this water bottle and I drop a little bit of dirt in it, it's going to affect all the water. Now, the water's clean and when the little bit of dirt gets in there, it's going to affect all the water. So the best thing to do is pour all the water out because the little bit of dirt's going to affect all the water. And so you may have a Christian brother or sister in your life who just does any and everything, and I am saying to you, they don't need to be in your life. Because more than likely, you don't have the power to bring them up, and they have the power to bring you down. So, you got to make some decisions. I, I I, told you I was going to go a little over time. I'm not going to go too much further. But something happened to me not too long ago. We were, uh, I was making a smoothie, and, and our smoothie maker wasn't that great. And so, uh, My wife was like, I can order a new new smoothie maker. I was like, that's good. I'll just finish making the smoothie that I got now, and I'm going to go on my way to work. So the top of the smoothie, there's a little uh, plastic white thing, and it actually fell into the smoothie while the thing was going on. I stopped it and pulled it out, and it looked like the thing was a little bit cracked, and it wasn't that big of a deal. So I went ahead and poured my smoothie out. And I was watching to make sure none of that plastic got in there. on my way to work, I was drinking the smoothie with the straw, and it was amazing how many bits of that plastic was in the smoothie. It just looked like a little thing, but almost every drink I had to spit plastic out. Now, because I wanted the smoothie, I kept on drinking. (laughs) I took the time to make it, so I was... But. I was driving down the highway with my window open because I would literally have to get that out of my mouth because it had almost permeated the entire smoothie. Just a little small thing. And here's the thing. Some people in your life, you can't keep them in your life because they will infect your whole life. The problem with cancer, cancer is a cell in the body that does its own thing, but it attacks The other cells. That's why if they can locate just one cell, they can cut it out or try to use radiation before it attaches to the other cells. And what God is trying to say, there's some people you can't let attach to you. It's not that you're so spiritual. You're protecting your spirit. Verse 12 and 13. And this is how we'll close.
1: What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? Oh,
0: so Paul ain't really talking about them. So when some of them say only God can judge me, it's partially correct because it's not our job to judge them, but it is our job to judge us. I don't really go too far, but do you realize that America slavery was allowed to happen in America and there was churches all over America? Do you know Jim Crow laws were allowed to happen? There were churches all over. So somebody in the churches were not doing correct judgment amongst each other. Do you realize there were pastors who owned slaves? And do you realize there were slave owners who took out parts of the Bible to keep other people enslaved? And then they would go to church and have church? That's what God is saying. Y'all keep doing these Christian practices, but you're not living it and nobody is calling each other out on it. Not in the world, but in the church. All right. Now here's here's 1 Corinthians 5.13. Read this. And this is where we'll close.
1: God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you.
0: Oh, here's another reason. God is going to judge those outside. So you need to expel the one cutting up outside so God can deal with them and you need to repair what's going on so the church can move forward so we don't want to be judgmental Christians where we're looking down on people but we do want to be the iron that sharpens each other so we can be more like Christ amen let's rise to our feet somebody say judgmental Christians. Christians. Hopefully you understand how we can have righteous judgment. All right let's move right into our communion. Even what we're going to read if you study it Paul was judging them how they took communion. He said y'all eating communion to get full y'all eating y'all drinking the wine to get drunk. He's like, that's not what it's supposed to be. And so then he gave them how they should do it. And that's where we find it in 1 Corinthians 11. Let's put up 1 Corinthians 11, 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. Verse 25, or excuse me, verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's. Eat the bread. 25. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me. Let us drink. Saints, this is a sacred moment before the Lord. Let's look at verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious heavenly father, God, help us to be the correct judgmental Christians. And let us focus our attention on us in Deliverance Temple, growing each other, sharpening each other, passing righteous judgment when it needs to be, and considering ourselves, looking to restore others, being in relationship with each other. And help us not to focus so much on the world, but really grow us so that the world would want what we have. And, God, as you develop us to be more like you, we'll be a light in a dark land that would draw many to say, what must I do to be saved? So, God, I'm asking that you would save the sinners and the lost, that you would reclaim the backslidden. But, God, you would help us in here to grow to be the disciples that we need to be to help push and advance the kingdom forward. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name amen. God bless you all. Much love to you all.